Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of another film podcast. <laughs> My name is Tierney. <laughs> I'm Colin. <laughs> oh, I'm Matt. Oh, he's like an after-school special this week. Yeah, I forgot what my name was, but then I remembered in the moment. That's my, to... That was my motivation this time. I wish you would have forgotten your name. Just and like, I'm... and I'm who am I? Just have like a full-on existential meltdown, like twenty seconds into the podcast. Get ready. <laughs> who knows what the future of this podcast will bring? <laughs> oh my god! Did you say an existential meltdown? Yeah. That's funny because, in some ways, that's what watching this movie is like for me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh oh. Oh, interesting. Oh, let's get into this. All right. Uh, well, I'll. Yeah, we just should give probably like tell a, what movie it is. I was gonna say I'll, I'll give a little tea up, but then I will pass the mic over to you because I'm very intrigued. <laughs> um, so today we're gonna be talking about Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, 2002. Uh, film that I'd never seen before. Um, I can talk more about this movie, but I feel like after that intro, I want to hear Tierney's thoughts more than anything else. So uh, let's let's start there, and then we can, you know, move around as needed. Okay. Uh, well, I the first time I saw this movie, I don't remember when it was, but the main scene that I remember from this movie is the dinner party. At his sister's house. <laughs> and it's because it is so triggering. I was going to say. <laughs> I did think of you when I was watching it. And I was and, like. Uh. <laughs> and like, I wrote some notes down because it's, the thing is, it's so well done that it's like, I should preface that I'm one of seven children and he has seven sisters. So it's like a big family thing. But everyone is talking over each other. No one is listening to what the other people are saying. And everyone is ripping each other's words apart. To the point where, like, him flinching when the sister comes in is like, Oh, you don't feel safe at all. (laughs) Uh, And then he also has, like, social anxiety. Pretty severe social anxiety. And... I also have uh, some social anxiety. And so it's like, I know exactly what you're feeling. And it is very difficult to watch. Uh, And I was like trying to articulate how rough it was at parts. And someone was like, it was, it's like, it can't be that bad. And then I was like, I was looking through my notebook from last fall and I found an entry where a Trader Joe's cashier went to elaborately pull up, uh, take the receipt off the thing, and I thought he was going for a high five, and I wanted to do what Adam Sandler does to the sliding glass doors. <laughs> oh no. And that is just. Go for the high five? I did go for the high five. Of course she did, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> 
This is like when you shook hands and your I, yep. index yeah. finger was over the cold. Yeah, yeah we don't need to relive it. Or the time I went to my friend's house and her stepdad answered the door and went went to shake, give me a hug, but I thought he was going to shake my hand, and so then I, I he went to shake my hand and I went to give him a hug, and it went back and forth until eventually I just bowed because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> I didn't see a bow coming. Oh, he didn't either. <laughs> I really want to know what happened after he, like, was there, there had to have been acknowledgement. Like, what did he do after you bowed? Was he just like, he said, okay, just like come into this house. <laughs> he said, Tierney, did you just bow to me? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and then he walked in the house. And everyone was in the kitchen, and he goes, Tierney just bowed to me. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Or one time, this is, I could go on all day, but there was one time, at my job, I have to greet speakers who come. It's uh, all greeting. You have a real problem with greeting. That's what your pattern is. (laughs) You don't know Uh, how to say hello. There was one where, like, I'm supposed to take their stuff and, like, hang up their coat, but I, like, couldn't function that day like a normal person. And so, like, I'd already bumbled the whole, like, giving of the coat thing, and it was probably, like, sweating profusely as I am now. And then they they go to lunch, and then they come back, and I'm supposed to, like, bring them to their next meeting after lunch. And they walk in the door, and I just go, I'm back! (laughs) And then I went, no, you're back. I'm still here. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and then like I don't even know you're back. <laughs> and then I like bumbled whatever I don't even I blocked it out entirely, but I just remember sitting down at my desk and being like <sighs> My coworkers are like, are you okay? <laughs> No, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. All of Holy that to shit. say that between oh. the large family that just rips on each other <laughs> and his social anxiety, it is a existential crisis for me to watch because I'm like, this is too personal. <laughs> so, uh, we'll start anyway, off. That's I- it. <laughs> So this was my movie. This was my selection. Um, I chose it because, as people who have listened to this podcast know, we are all very big fans of Paul Thomas Anderson around these parts. Um, And this was... uh, So big. (laughs) In a variety of... I was going to say. (laughs) Which I'm sure we will discuss more as this episode goes on, but um, this is one of his that I'd never seen before, and so I wanted to um, check it out and cross it off the list. And I knew basically nothing about it and I still probably would have made you do it but I would have felt a little worse about making my selection had I known how traumatic this was going to be for you. I'd forgotten like I'd blocked it out of my memory all I remember is being like (laughs) all I remember is being like he must I think after the movie I looked it up because I was like there's no way someone could write that party scene and not be from a big family like the way it's like done is just like you have you have to know 
not necessarily. You can you can do that. But I was like, looked it up, and so that was like I do remember being like very impressed by it, uh, and then forgot about all of the other things. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just oh, thinking man. of how stupid I am. <laughs> Oh, we love you. Um, so, yeah, I had never seen this movie until uh, literally, like, two hours ago. Um, <laughs> I really, really liked it, like, a lot. Um, oh, it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's really good. Um, I'll rank my... I'll, I will do my PTA ranking, as I have done in other episodes. Um, so, number one is obviously There Will Be Blood. Um, I think... On any given day, two would either be Boogie Nights or Phantom Thread. Um, I think, like, either one of those could flip-flop, depending on, you know, which side of the bed I slept on the night before. But, um, and I think it would be uh, probably Magnolia after that, and then Punch Drunk Love. Although, I really like this movie, and maybe if I give it more than just a couple hours, I might even move it above Magnolia. Um... But then, uh, let's see, what else do we got going on? <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think then it would be probably be the master and inherent vice at the end. Um, As not you that were I just like I knew that inherent vice was going to be last on your list, and I was so upset about it. I was gonna, I would like nothing against that movie. I do like that movie. It's just the the movie of of his that I enjoy the least. That's it's also the least his. Because it's a Thomas Pynchon novel, and the rest of these are, like, his original scripts, or at least ideas that he's, like, taken almost whole cloth on their own. I guess. In that regard. That's how I would. Because I really, I I don't feel like Inherent Vice uh, hits me in the same way that most of his other movies do. Uh, in, like, the mm. little oddities that he puts in, where you're like, what? is like what does this mean or like why choose this moment uh that you chose like Uh, the piano or the car accident i mean we could start like like that's literally the beginning of the movie there's a car accident that means nothing for the rest of the movie uh and in that regard uh speaking of rankings is that like i feel like this is this was the follow-up to magnolia and it feels kind of like it takes place after the ending of Magnolia. Like, it's still in the valley, and it has these, like, random bursts of, like, uh, events that mean nothing really to the characters but happen around them, and it, like, it all feels like this surreal Los Angeles landscape uh, in in a different way from Magnolia, and this feels like, I feel like, is a totally different PTA movie from what's come before or what's come after. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know if you were finished talking. Cowards. Oh, I mean, I mostly was. I just, I think it's, uh, the only other, <clears throat> the other thing I was going to say is it's like, to me, it seemed like, you know, you always talk about like, oh, I'd like to see this director or this, you know, auteur do this type of thing. Right. And so it's like most auteurs have their, their zone. Right. <laughs> and like, <clears throat> like a Wes Anderson movie is a Wes Anderson movie. Um, and like a Christopher Nolan movie is a Christopher Nolan movie. And for the most part, a Paul Thomas Anderson movie is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. But I think that it's fun that we get like, we get Paul Thomas Anderson's version of a (laughs) rom-com 
and it's like mm-hmm. this, like whatever the fuck this is. And it's like it has moments that are just like very, very sweet and heartwarming that you would like expect from a rom com, and then it has just like complete weird bonkers shit that you would expect from a PTA movie. And I think it's really like it's really fun that we get that. You know, in the same mm-hmm. way that like again you would say like, oh, well, I mean, we talked about it a little bit with uh, the Mad Max Fury Road when we were talking about, like, what would we, you know, like, how George Miller went from, like, Babe Pig in the City to Mad Max Fury Road. We are just like, mm-hmm. what other weird, like, hard left turns would we want to see directors make? Um, and I don't necessarily think this movie is, like, a hard left turn from anything that he's done before, but it definitely does feel like he's trying to do something that is a little bit more outside the norm of what he usually does. Um, and I think it worked really well. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, that's, it is that's a, all I, I really just want to say. I just want to tell everybody that I did enjoy this movie. It was just <laughs> a harrowing watch for me personally. <laughs> but it is a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had seen this movie uh, probably a decade ago or so. I really don't know exactly when. Um, maybe more than that, actually. Uh, but... When I was in, uh, uh, I think it was like a spaghetti western class uh, at DePaul, the teacher was like, just write an essay about your five favorite movies. Uh, and we, that's what we had to do for an assignment, which was so fun. Uh, and then he was... Quick follow-up. In yeah. a spaghetti western class, uh-huh. he was just like, go crazy, do whatever the hell you want to do. He, the, one of the assignments, he was the coolest teacher. And, like, looking back, I, like, didn't appreciate that class as much of it as I should have. But he was, like, I just want to know kind of, like, the sentimentalities of this uh, this class. And, like, what what do you guys oh. watch? What do you guys enjoy? Was this, like, an early assignment? Like, early on in the class? Yeah. I think it was okay. even, like, a month in or two months in. Okay. But he was just, like, I want to know where you're all coming from. Like, what brought you to film? Uh, and then he, like, talked about our choices and was like, I saw a couple of this movie, I saw a couple of this movie, which was really cool. And then he's like, several people had Punch Drunk Love as their favorite movie, um, which I think that movie's uh, spectacular. But I was surprised to see it on so many lists, because uh, it's such a it's a unique film, and, and I'm glad to see so many of you love it. And I remember being like, what? <laughs> really? That one? Because uh, at the time, I think I didn't appreciate it as... And I still think it's like fairly low on my PTA list. That's all to say, as you were going through the list of PTA movies, I was like, I don't know if I can choose. I don't know if I can rank them, besides saying that, like, there are moments of each of them that I like more than moments of other ones. Uh, But, like, Magnolia was my entry into PTA, and still does things that I'm, like, wowed by. But, like, There Will Be Blood is a perfect film. Phantom Thread, the more I watch it, the more I just, like, fall in love with it. Um, and this movie, I was like, I forgot just how many choices there are in the movie. It's just a movie of, like, uh, decisions. <laughs> like, he decided to make this kind of movie, and I was reading some of the trivia around it, and apparently he hasn't talked a lot about the production, almost ever. He, like, didn't do a lot of press around the movie, and years before when they asked him what his follow-up to Magnolia would be, he just said, I'm going to make an Adam Sandler movie and it's going to be 90 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, and then his next movie was a 90-minute Adam Sandler movie and they were like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) But like, in in all the interviews and stuff, and I think he even said it in one of the podcasts that we had listened to uh, where he was like, I love Adam Sandler. I think he's hilarious. And like, 
watches Adam Sandler movies, and so, like, whatever this movie was, was made with, like, a lot of specific intention, and it just feels so tight. It's, like, it moves, you get ever you get a sense of, like, the world, and, like, what these characters are, especially Barry, played by Adam Sandler, uh, and it's such a, it's, like, a fairy tale, kind of, Mm -hmm. um, and also follows, like, the classic PTA. I think he does, like, three acts really well of, like, you always feel like the first chunk of the movie is its own thing, the middle is its own thing, and then the last chunk is, like, this culmination of everything. And in this movie, it's, like, a smaller finale. Like, almost nothing happens in this movie, but everything feels so important because uh, you're with Barry as he's, like, trying to fucking live his life and, like, feel anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a long intro, but I love this movie. I'm so glad I, I've watched it a second time, because now it, like, solidifies it as one of PTA's great films. Like mm-hmm. them are. I, yeah, I do think it's a little unfortunate that this one just kind of, like... It's it's just it's just not really like discussed in yeah. his like filmography. Like everybody focuses it was an oeuvre. Um <laughs> every, yeah, I mean like and I, again, like I said, I mean I rank this one relatively low. I mean, he's only made seven movies, eight if you count Heart Eight slash Sydney, which I mean technically I mean, you it's should a count feature like yeah, you should definitely Like you should count it. It's just like it's a full movie. I have watched it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for offending you. Um and like like you said, There Will Be Blood is literally a perfect movie. And as we, we spent a long time on this podcast discussing, that movie is perfect. So, like, I do understand it from that point. But it's also, like, this movie is also very, very good. And I yeah. feel like we should, like, we as a culture, like, pop culture society should show this movie a little bit more respect. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that this is his only rom-com because I would also say that Phantom Thread <laughs> I think so. is a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a I, gothic romance, which I love those. I was it's more say, like a drom-com. I was, I, it's not that I don't think... A gothic think... romance. Probably. A rom-drom-com. <laughs> it's a not, rom-drom. It's not that I don't think that that movie is a romantic comedy. I think it's more... I think it's like less romantic? overtly. I think, I think it's less overtly romantic. Um, I think like so. I think of it more as like the Paul Thomas Anderson like character study series. You know, there's like the um, Daniel Plainview. There's the um, fuck Freddie. What's his name? Who's the from the master? Uh, Freddie Highmore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I keep thinking Freddie Lowndes, but that's uh, that's who Philip Seymour Hoffman plays in Hannibal, the movie. Uh, it's Freddie... Fry. Well, we know who we're Quell. talking about. <laughs> Freddie Quell. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I, I feel like it's... Punch, or, um, Phantom Thread is more of like a Reynolds-Woodcock character study then oh i disagree with that. i would say it's almost really movie. about Alma. yeah i think it's I, almost because she's the narrator she's the one who's i like, guess that's true this is my dream and i'm gonna live the way i want to live this life and i'm gonna make him do what i want to do it's also uh, like 
I know he. We're not talking about this movie, but it's fine. I'm going to talk about it for a second. <laughs> Dive in. Uh, he had watched, I believe, Hitchcock's rendition of Rebecca, which is a gothic romance, um, and was like super into that, and it inspired his like the narrative choices of that movie as opposed to just like a movie about fashion. Uh, But if you look at those types of stories, they're all super romantic, but they're all like a bit fucked up. Oh yeah. To where I would, I personally love that genre. And so I would say that it's more romantic than punch drunk love, (laughs) but it's also like like pretty fucked. Yeah, I feel like, I do feel like Punch Drunk Love and, I mean, so I think separating his films into, like, their categories is fine, because he himself was like, I want to move away from ensemble movies, and that's why he made Punch Drunk Love. Um, So, like, uh, Boogie Nights and Magnolia are his ensemble movies. Uh, I think The Master and uh, There Will Be Blood, actually... Yeah, still, I think, like, The Master is about two forces uh, trying to, like, exist, coexist together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's the same... I feel like Punch Drunk Love plus The Master equals Phantom Thread. Of, like, it's a (laughs) romance, and it's these, like, very different people who, like, shouldn't really be together, but it works. And two very strong personality types that are unwilling to budge from where they are. And that's kind of what Phantom Thread is. It's like the romance of those two energies and how to make it work. Um, so it almost, like his movies all kind of like circle the same kind of things, but it's because he writes lead characters so well. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's I think Punch Drunk Love is definitely. A lot of people were like, I guess this is a rom-com, but it's uh, it's an art house Adam Sandler rom-com. Uh, but I it's do, I probably think it... the most realistic feeling rom-com that exists. For yeah, me, I, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> a bit too say... real, but like, <laughs> as opposed to like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or like 27 Dresses. For sure, yeah. I think that this movie has some of those, like, traditional rom-com type tropes, but it doesn't feel as, like, silly as a lot of rom-coms typically do, right? Like, there is a meet-cute in this movie that's, like, pretty reasonable and pretty adorable. Like, she just, she's like, yeah, I, I, I saw a picture of you and I really wanted to meet you, so I purposefully took my car to this shop so that I could maybe meet you. You know, like, that's just, like, it's very sweet and cute, and, like, that's the type of thing that you would see in a, uh, in a more, like, s- traditional rom-com. So, like, it does have some of those tropes, and then, like, one character making, like, a big sweeping gesture to show their affection to the other, like... You know, he's like, I gotta go buy a shitload of pudding so that I can get these frequent flyer miles so I can go to Hawaii. Uh, You know, so, like, it has those things, but then it also has, like, the, you know, the PTA weirdness of I'm gonna buy a shitload of pudding so I can get frequent flyer miles. (laughs) Which is based, apparently, on a real news thing where somebody was collecting frequent flyer miles in order to, like, redeem them for more than they were worth. Um, Which all of this does feel so real of, like... 
the date where he's like, like I gotta tell you this quietly, like so that nobody else will hear about this like trick that I figured out. <laughs> and the way he's reciting it and like going over the details because he's figured it all out and he's so proud of it. You're like, yeah, this is like exactly somebody who exists. We're like. Daniel Plainview is definitely somebody that exists, but, like, rarely are you in the vicinity of somebody like that mm-hmm. that is, like, willing to mow down people <laughs> for their own uh, success. Whereas this guy is, like, a real dude that you've, like, talked to and have been like, oh, you're really having a hard time. Like, you're trying to succeed and you just don't know quite how to do it. Um, and to open the movie with him being like, do you realize that the value of your uh of your like contest is more than the actual products and they're like what (laughs) what are you calling us about (laughs) but it's like those people exist like and him like cutting out all the like the little coupons and like planning this whole thing out even calling a sex line like i think that in that moment i remember being like it's always like a thought of like but who does this like who would call a sex hotline when it's like clearly going to charge so much money and like probably be a scam and it's like it's somebody who's like very lonely and it's just just wants somebody to talk to and like that scene is also heartbreaking because it's it's so heartbreaking at all yeah just wants to talk to somebody and like feel like he's not going to be made fun of for what he's saying Mm-hmm. And that's the way it works, is, like, it's supposed to just be this, like, positive, like, sure, sure, anything you want, let's just, like, talk through your fantasies. And she keeps saying, like, are you are you hard? Like, are you jerking off? And he's like, no, no. Well, and it's, like, that scene, like, that, like, when he's actually talking to her, Georgia, like, that is heartbreaking for all the reasons you just mentioned. But it's also, like, the lead-up to that is equally oh, devastating. I know. Because, like... As you're watching it, when, like, they're asking for, like, okay, can we get your name and your address? And you're like, okay, like, maybe, you know, like, this was a, almost 20 years ago. Like, now you can just pay with a credit card and a billing, ad, like, a zip code, but maybe you needed the whole address back then. So you can, like, kind of go along. But then when they're like, oh, we need your social security number, it's just to verify your name against the credit. It's just like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> like, just, and he knows, and he knows it, too, but he's just, like, he's so... Like, he needs that, just another human to talk to, that he's just like, okay, like, I'll do it. And it's it's that whole, and the way that that is shot, too, where it's, like, him just pacing around his apartment on the phone, and he's, like, debating whether or not he's going to go through with it, and then he decides to go through with it, and he's like, how much information am I going to give? And he's just constantly moving, and the camera's constantly moving to speak to what you guys have been mentioning like that feel felt so real that <laughs> like mm-hmm. i not in this particular scenario but i have been on the phone with like companies or whomever that i like a, a phone call that i was dreading to make but i had to do it and so i'm just like pacing around my apartment and just like uh like it just it felt so accurate and so real and so like lived in that it was just like yeah. it made the the rest of it just completely devastating I Which think... also, to, oh, go ahead. to the, the speak of, like, the design of his apartment, too, of how it's, like, very stripped of any personality, mm-hmm. it's just, like, whatever furniture is, a, like, you imagine the default setting is, that's what he has. Like, it's just personality-less, uh, empty, stark, 
like there's a bunch of computers and like a Sega or like a Nintendo on top of the TV of just like everything just kind of there but mm-hmm. with it doesn't feel lived in at all but you know that this is where he lives uh, was also like that setting for that phone call is just like all you kind of need to know about where Barry is at the time uh, of that scene but Tierney you go uh, I was just going to say that to add on to what you guys were saying that the uh, way he paints his loneliness is perfect like you, because all of those things might have seemed like like snap decisions, but you're like watching him go through his day beforehand is just like this dude is struggling so much that that's why you know that that call is like he just wants someone to talk to and not like phone sex. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say is that you mentioned that he doesn't stop moving in the apartment. But Barry doesn't stop moving the entire movie. He's fidgeting yeah. in every single scene. Also uh, he... relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Say. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't think Adam Sandler's actually like that. I think that's like a character choice that he made. And it's pretty, I don't know, I thought it was pretty, I like noticed it pretty early on when he's standing outside the garage and he's just like bouncing his legs. And then he just doesn't stop the whole rest of the movie. Yeah, I think uh, it's a bummer that Adam Sandler, I mean, like, good for him. He's, like, made a shitload of money. He's got that ridiculous deal with Netflix. He can just, like, get Netflix to pay for his family vacations while he goes to, like, film something in Hawaii. Like, God bless. But stuff like this and um, Uncut Gems from last year, it's like he is a really good character actor if he's given the right material to do something with. And, like, I, I, I wish that he would do more of that. Because I think he, like, when he turns it on, he's fantastic. But usually he just spends his time being, like, an idiot man-child with, like, David Spade. Which, again, more power to him. He's made a shitload of money and he can do that if he wants to. But it's like... It's uh, it feels like a little bit of a bummer that we're like missing out on some like really strong talent out in the world, and those and like, yeah, I think these are those are his two best performances is Uncut Gems and this, and it's funny that they're literally on the opposite ends of the spectrum as characters. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't be more different. Of like, one guy who runs a business and he's working really hard to make it succeed, and it just isn't super lucrative. Like it's never going to be a big thing and he doesn't have confidence and he like just has the worst time like finding romance whereas Adam Sandler and Uncle Gems runs a fairly successful jewelry shop on top of gambling <laughs> of which varying levels of success in that regard but like uh but also is like cheating on his wife with a different woman and like that woman you expect to not be super like faithful to him but throughout yeah. the movie oh, proves to be pretty into him mm-hmm. uh and he's just so overconfident in his own abilities uh and it's like clear that he's an idiot whereas like this one you're like you are probably capable of more but like you just growing up with sisters that just refuse to let anything go mm-hmm. and everything you've done is in their memory god the scene where they're at the date 
and Emily Watson is like, your sister yeah. told me about one time uh, where you threw a hammer through a window, and to watch him, like, deconstruct in front of her, and to try to keep it together, and being like, I don't, I don't remember that, I don't remember doing it, uh, and like, just, you can tell it's like the one thing that like he just can't hear from this person like mm-hmm. he can't fail in front of her um is so heartbreaking and like throughout Unca Gems you're just watching this guy going like stop <laughs> doing things stop it and in this one you're just like oh god everyone needs to fucking lay off Barry <laughs> yeah this poor dude <laughs> I also even yeah, even him telling the brother-in-law, like, I need a, do you know if I could, like, see a shrink? And then just saying, like, sometimes I just cry for no reason. And then breaks down and, like, has to leave the room. Only for that to come back later and them to be like, did you cry in front of, like, my husband? And you're like, what the fuck? Like, just give him anything for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Ooh. the like, in terms of Paul Thomas Anderson's writing of that is that particular scene where you're like like you're laughing up front because he's a dentist (laughs) but then by the end you're like oh no and it's like truly heartbreaking yeah also that line in that scene is I don't know if there's anything wrong because I don't know how other people are Yeah, which is like that cuts to the core of I feel like everybody like yep. none of us know if what we're feeling is okay because that's all we have so we're like I don't know like should I be worried or like mm-hmm. should I am I doing this wrong do other people have as much trouble with like socializing or feeling like you're you belong somewhere or like worried about your success and like it all comes down to that line of just like I don't know how other people are so I don't know if I'm okay Oh, yeah. That, that scene is brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um. Most of my other notes are, are technical notes, if we want to do that. Yeah, I just have a long list of things that I loved and that I was like, <laughs> we got to make sure we talk about it. Um, uh, I don't have... I, obviously, I didn't take any notes, because uh, I, again, just watched it a couple hours ago, but... Uh, I do want to spend at least a little bit of time and just talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm, <laughs> because mm-hmm. we're going to do it. <laughs> fuck. Uh, I was telling Matt before we started recording, I miss him so much. Every time he pops up on screen, I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I, he's so good in everything. He's great in this movie. He has like... 20 lines total like he has like maybe yeah. a minute and a half of screen time but he's so fucking good in this movie and i i just i need to spend a little bit of time doing a philip seymour hoffman appreciation i think segment. that my favorite <laughs> scene in the movie that he is in is unfortunately cut from the movie uh-huh. oh. but it's it's <laughs> the commercial uh, the commercial where he jumps oh. off the roof onto a stack of mattresses on top of a car and he's like playing 
a guitar, and then he falls from the mattresses and lands and breaks the guitar. And you see the actual cameraman run forward, and then to <laughs> another person, and then you see Paul Thomas Anderson run forward to be like, you okay, man? And he does not break character, does not stop the scene, and is just like, yeah, I, I, I had a feeling that was going to happen. And then it just looks like an actual commercial that they were filming and not like a fucked up scene. <laughs> and it's just so good. Of all like the director actor collabs, I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman PTA is maybe the best. Like mm-hmm. and to see the range that mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman gets to play in PTA mm-hmm. movies of like a totally normal, lovable, good man in Magnolia to, like, a lovable, but, like, just down on, like, just very unconfident guy in Boogie Nights to, like, literally a cult leader in The Master. And then this guy, like, Trumbull, and, like, with that puka shell necklace and that hair and, like, a mattress store owner that also runs a phone sex hotline and is like a small time criminal who has goons that he sends out to collect it's like such a crazy character and he just makes it look so natural he's just like yeah oh, this is my this is my this is my do my business and you're like what the fuck is this human being that scene well, yeah. where the two of them are just yelling at each other to fuck off is so <laughs> funny. Did you just tell me to fuck off? <laughs> Big mistake. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love the like their final confrontation too, where they like get up in each other's faces, mm-hmm. and then they're just like, "Okay, that's that." <laughs> You're like, "Oh." All right, and then like as he's walking out, he comes like Philip Seymour Hoffman comes back and is like, "Yeah, no, get the fuck out of my store!" And he, Adam Sandler turns around, and is like, "What did you say?" And he's like, "All right, that's that, that's that. Sorry, right. like, we're good, we're good. Just had to get that one last one out there." <laughs> yeah, such a coward, getting a haircut in the back of his store, like, like the weirdest mob boss. I also laughed really hard when he's just sitting in the chair and she's like combing his hair and he's just like ow yeah yeah ow (laughs) just like not really mad at her but just like letting her know like i'm not happy with what you're doing right now (laughs) so good oh god bless but yeah uh his intro is so like this is the guy and then that phone call though is just legendary like i had friends in high school who would quote just his phone call and just be like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut the fuck up, shut up, (laughs) shut up. And like, it's just, it's nothing. Like, it's just a man screaming shut up, but it, it feels like I, I, it's such a weird moment in a weird movie that works so well because it's Philip Seymour Hoffman just giving it 800%. Bless. I, uh, miss I miss him. him so I miss him so much. much. Oh. so yeah. I One like of his best roles. I knew. I didn't. I did not know that he was in this movie. Like, because again, I didn't really know much about this movie other than Adam Sandler and PTA. So like, when he popped up in this movie, I was like, oh hell yeah! <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I got. I, I'm glad I got like one more 
un, like totally un, unbeknownst to me Philip Seymour Hoffman performance that I could just completely be blown away by. So God bless you, PSH and uh, PTA. <laughs> yeah, my note for uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is just Philip Seymour Hoffman is insane. <laughs> right off the bat, you're just like, this is the wildest character. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna just see what what other things I want to talk about. Um, if oh, I already to... mentioned. Go ahead. It's a 90 minute movie, but also it's it's actually PTA's shortest movie, um, which is fun. It's like no other movie he's made is shorter. How long is that's Heart 8? what a shortest movie is? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> How long is Heart, Heart Eight? I think is like two hours. Let me. I'm looking it up right now. In the meantime, I'll go through my uh, technical things. Yeah. So uh, everything is. I mean, often with his movies, this is the case because he does such long takes. But everything is perfectly timed. Um. Mm-hmm. That is, it's like a choreographed dance, and it's really fun to watch. Um, yeah. Another thing I noticed this time watching it is that the sounds arrive on the scene a few seconds after the visual. Mm. And I thought that like it would be like it'd be completely silent and then like the grocery store sound would come through. And I thought that was Oh yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was I did notice that one. That particularly that grocery store scene. Um partially because I've been having an issue with my soundbar. <laughs> lately <laughs> and i legitimately thought it was fucked up for a second and then the sound came in it was like oh okay nope all right we're good i think it Real also quick, does it in the warehouse a couple times as well yeah it definitely does the the <laughs> i i have to pee so i'm gonna leave real quick but i'll be right back i don't know how else to do this okay well, bye. bye bye i'll be right back <laughs> does it make sense to just like you and i just keep shooting the shit and then you can edit this part out rather than us to continue having a conversation without Matt. Mm, we can continue. I mean, okay. Um. <laughs> I'll just go through the rest of mine. Uh, the I love that it was entirely on a wide-angle lens, so every shot was bottlenecked mm-hmm. at the edges of the frame. Uh, it was a different look, and also the colors. Yeah. I, the colors. The scene where, like, the, the scenes where they're on their date, and he's got that, like, bright blue suit, and she's got that just beautiful red dress. Like, those two colors playing off of each other is just like, oh. <laughs> it that looked, blue is like, such a good blue. Yeah. And I also, like, it looks good on him, and I feel really bad that everybody's giving him shit about it. <laughs> Like, I know, that's what makes it so much sadder. Yeah, everybody's just like, oh, yeah, I don't know why you're wearing a suit. It's so weird. He normally doesn't wear suits. That's just, it's, it's so weird. It's like, just let him wear the fucking suit. He wants to be a professional businessman, and he looks good in it, and that suit is dope, and that yeah. blue color is beautiful. Calm down. <laughs> but I also do like that it's literally the same suit he wears for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, no matter where he is, if he's you know, flying to Hawaii for a couple days and literally doesn't bring any luggage. It's <laughs> just wearing that suit the whole time. <laughs> like, uh, that was a fun, fun Matt, we, we've discussed uh, that everything's on a wide-angle lens and that mm-hmm. the colors are so pretty to look at. 
beautiful. Just a beautiful movie. I was looking at trivia before this because I was like, there's so much that I'm sure I didn't even catch. Mm-hmm. Um, catch. And one of the things was... Catch. Catch. <laughs> um, but one of the things was about the blue suit, which the color of the suit is indigo. And apparently, Lena's name backwards is Anel, which is the word for indigo in uh, some language or something. So her and his suit create an auditory uh like symmetry where like her name is his suit i don't know it's a weird detail i don't know if it was on purpose but uh it's interesting and apparently other people also think this movie's about like has references to superman in that he's always in the blue suit and at the end when she holds him around his neck she's in red so it looks Mm -hmm. like a cape and it, and he all says all these things about like I have this strength oh. and flies out of that window vertical uh, <laughs> and then keeps running. <laughs> That's, that was such a funny shot. He's yeah. just like sprinting and he's like. <laughs> I didn't think of it. I like that. Yeah, and I don't know how well it tracks across everything, but um, but it is an interesting like visual. Thing that people notice so are you saying that not only so instead of so if we're gonna say that um phantom thread is pta's rom-com then we're gonna say that punch shrunk love is pta's yes. superhero film is that correct is that what yes. we're getting at here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'll i want to i want to say this quote but it's more i feel like it's more powerful than just like a, a quick throwaway mention but the line that I think is the climax of the movie, it, like, basically is the big moment, is when he says, I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine, which is a beautiful line. Mm-hmm. And it is the moment that he claims his life for his own. Mm-hmm. And is like, I'm not going to get beaten up anymore. I'm not going to get pushed around because, like, I am loved and I have power in my own life. Mm-hmm. Uh but like yeah that line is like uh it's a superhero kind of i've got this power in me that's all i really didn't have a bigger (laughs) think that's why it was like i don't know if this is the best time to bring this line up but uh yeah what does daniel plainview say i have a something in me i have a competition in me that's it or i have a yeah i think it's i have a competition in me. competition sounds right yeah I'll let no one win but me. Um, Oh, if we talked about Philip Seymour Hoffman and we talked about Adam Sandler and how skilled they are as actors, Emily Watson is the only one who could have done this role, I feel like. Like, she's so natural. And the other thing I noticed was, like, there's so much stilted dialogue in, like, everyone speaks. It's almost like like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie in Fast Forward of everyone's talking so fast and it, like, is such a character that they're embodying, especially the sisters. Um, but she's so... Lena is so natural, and Emily Watson plays her with such, like, a, a grace and this, like, calm that is so different from everyone else in Barry's life. Um, and it's just... It's a, a testament to Emily Watson's skill that she always brings to any movie she's in, where she's just this, like magnetic presence on the screen i love her so much <laughs> she's re- yeah she's really good in this movie 
Um, what else is she in? <clears throat> uh, she's she... been in a bunch of stuff. Me... I was telling Colin, she's been with Paul, with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in two other movies. Uh, she's in Red Dragon with Ray Fiennes and Edward Norton and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And she's in Synecdoche, New York uh, with Philip oh, Seymour yeah. Hoffman. We watched Samantha that movie. Morton, who I love. Uh, Michelle Williams, who I love. God, Synecdoche's so good. And this feels like a Charlie Kaufman movie. It feels like PTA's Charlie Kaufman movie. That's the one Shh. where, like, they end up in that giant studio that looks like a city. Yeah. Yeah, they've remade Philip Seymour Hoffman's character's life uh, an infinite amount of times within oh. itself. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a, that was uh, an original yeah, film that's what I selection. Said. No one oh, was yeah. listening to me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Be. I, I'm so sorry about it. Um, yeah, she's been in some other stuff. She's in Matt. She's in your favorite um, early 2000s. Uh, oh, never mind. Oh yeah, she was in your favorite early 2000s action film, uh, Equilibrium. Hell yeah, she was opposite <laughs> Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> was she also uh, in the Harry Potter series? I don't think so. It's a shock that she wasn't. Hold, please. Because every other actor in Britain was. <laughs> yeah, every, every other. Every other <laughs> British actor. Yeah. You guys didn't even get my joke. Why, because of Emma Watson? Yeah. Well... We've been, we talked about before this. <laughs> before that, you uh, got on, we were talking about how I can never keep her and oh. uh, uh, Emily Mortimer straight. Like, they're both, like, British actresses who are about the same age and have very similar names and, like, look similar-ish. And so we were talking about how I already have a hard time keeping Emily Watson straight from other people. And then Matt mentioned Emma Watson, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's just another wrinkle of British actresses that are just going to be a jumble of names in my brain forever. It's yeah. like the Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Julia Dreyfus. Who's Julia Dreyfus? She's in Kill Bill. She's like the French translator. She's been in a bunch of Tarantino oh, movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, She's also but, yeah. in Veep and Seinfeld. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's only it's names that are too close to other names, so you always feel like it's wrong, even though you're right. Because I was like, it's Emma Watson, Emily Watson, not Emma Mortimer, Emily Watson. Her name's Emily Watson. Like that's every time I see her, I have to like remember the sequence of naming that I have to go through. Uh, but she is fantastic, and I truly do love her. It's just all the names, Emma and Emily and Watson. Um, also, Marilyn Ricecob, giving a shout out to my girl Chloe O'Brien from Twenty Four, who plays maybe the best sister in the movie since she's the one who introduces well, him to his love. She's the only sister that has like any amount of character other than like obnoxious sister, right? Like, like Elizabeth. Bully. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. that sequence where he's like trying to make a sale ish like i think that's oh, what's going on with the and plungers <laughs> and they're like uh-huh. uh barry your sister on line two <laughs> barry your sister like <laughs> first of all just 
awful. Like, it, like the anxiety that Tierney is just expressing is yeah. very real in that sequence. But it's also so funny when you keep hearing it come up over the loudspeaker, and then eventually at one point the guy just, like, turns his chair and is like, hey, your sister's on line four. Like, they were making an announcement <laughs> over the loudspeaker, but the guy was just right behind him. So funny. I, I also um, think something I just noticed now is that when he does go to the party... He opens the door and they're talking about him, and he doesn't... I'm wondering now if he closes it, not because he doesn't want to hear, but that he doesn't want them to know that he knows that they were talking about him, only to have them then bring it up straight to his face. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it's like a complex mix of like, yeah. I just don't want to be here. Which the other thing is, it's such a crazy game to play with him too to be like are you coming we all want you there you have to come to this party stop not coming to parties like you've got to be there and just pestering him and then as soon as he gets there all they do is rag on him until he breaks a window and then they get mad at him for that and it's like why do you want him here if all you're gonna do is ruin his life like (laughs) which also him standing up for himself on the phone it gets like real unhinged real quick where he's like i'll fucking kill you (laughs) But everything before that, you're like, good for him. Like, just tell her, like, I don't need you to make this about you. Just, like, give me what I'm asking for and stop bullying me. Leave me alone. It's <laughs> so satisfying. I did find him yelling on the phone, I'll fucking kill you. Very funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, you can't say that to people, like, on the street people will be very concerned but for some reason you can say that to your siblings and not <laughs> really mean it yeah <laughs> well and i she's like, like the... god there's no reason to get upset and he's like i'll fucking kill you <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was uh, really funny well i also yeah. like it was funny for those reasons but i also thought it was funny the fact that there was like a parade happening mm-hmm. just like right behind him he's like on a payphone and there's a literal parade happening and he's just like threatening to murder someone and people are just like hawaii you know like <laughs> <laughs> also beautiful moment when uh lena finally picks up the phone and the light in the phone booth turns yes. on and he's finally illuminated yep. and like happy it's it's a beautiful little detail uh but i i was like oh god like just of course pta would do that it felt so powerful it felt a little on the nose but like it was such a wonderful moment that i was like "Eh, i don't care (laughs) yeah like it's fine (laughs) um also what a frenetic movie i wrote down frenetic just because like the music is never I mean, it it is melodic sometimes, and it's like very pleasant. Uh, it's to melodic to. when she's around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good call. Yeah, and it's but it's so uh, taxing to listen to, and it just uh-huh. builds this anxiety in you, mm-hmm. especially when he's like when he breaks the plunger and the stuff goes everywhere, <laughs> and his sister's calling, and he's in front of clients, and it's like the music is so tense. And later when, like, he's actually talking to Lena and she's trying to, like, ask him out, maybe, of, like, seeing if they could have a conversation. And the forklift crashes and all the pudding <laughs> falls out and he's just trying to be like, so, uh, so what are you doing? Uh, so that, that must be fun. Uh, and, like, the music is also jarring where, like, you feel 
you feel the level of anxiety uh, that the characters feel whenever that music is in the scene. Um, and apparently music was like a huge part of what PTA wanted to do with this particular movie, was like have music be coupled mm-hmm. with the imagery. And I think it works so well. I mean, it worked, he has incredible music in every movie that he's done. But like in this movie, it feels like a different character. It like and adds I think- to the surrealism. I, I think that, and again, I, I've been having issues with my soundbar, so, like, maybe this is not true, but um, I think, to your point, I think that uh, the sound mix goes a long way in helping that, too, because, like, the volume is equal level, or maybe just, like, slightly lower than everything else that's going on, so, like, in addition to, like, building the tension of just, like, the the music that is being played, like, the actual, like, notes that are being played, um, the fact that, like, he's having a conversation, trying to make a sale, he's, like, breaking the thing that's supposed to be unbreakable, his sister's trying to page him, and the music is all happening all at once, it just, like, it feels, like, overwhelming. Um, yeah. Not necessarily in a bad way, but definitely in, like, a holy shit. <laughs> like, I, like, just get out of there, man. <laughs> like, go, like, go hide in your office and, like, sit under your desk or something. <laughs> like yeah. I said, harrowing. I, I do think <laughs> it was, like, a fun touch that, like... So, like, his business model is, like, selling novelty plungers. And, like, apparently they had a deal with some hotel in Vegas and they were going <laughs> to like stock them with plungers with little like dice on top which is like that's cute uh but the the one that shatters i'm pretty sure is the one that has like a like a bride and groom figurine at the top and it's filled with rice which is like a really like just like a really fun little like oh that's a cute little layer on like that but it also comes back later when somebody's like you have rice in your hair (laughs) i didn't even catch that (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so funny um the color plates are another thing that i wanted to call out of just like the interstitial music and colors uh that really do build this like atmosphere and uh, despite like how jarring the music can sometimes be is actually kind of like a calming transition uh (laughs) from like these acts uh to each act uh and and apparent on the not apparently i remember on the dvd that i watched uh that you could just watch all the interstitials together oh behind the music and it was just like here are the color plates and you could like go through each one and watch them as they are um and those were really cool and just like he's never done something like that again this is the only pta movie where like these little uh, weird color transitions are. Um, even though I think Magnolia has those like little weather forecasts, and that feels similar, mm-hmm. but this one feels so uh, <clears throat> art house uh, compared to uh, those other ones. And I guess that short film that he did was it him who did the short film that was on Netflix that was just music? Amina, the one with uh, yeah. Tom York. Exactly, yeah. Mm, yeah, That was, like, the closest, I think, to that again. Um, Because it was just sound and color and imagery and stuff. But, um... Oh, yeah, Colin, you didn't put Janoon on your list. Have you not seen it? No, you and I saw it together. Uh, I don't know. It would be at the bottom. 
if I were to rank it. Like, it's not bad, it's just <clears throat> I, I prefer a PTA narrative than a PTA documentary about Indian music. <laughs> it was a collaboration. Yeah. I did think about uh, doing an honorable mention shout-out to all of the Heim music videos that he's directed. <laughs> all of the running? <laughs> Just all of the running and the walking. Um, I also... Uh, remember you and I went to uh, see the little hours at the music box? Like thirty percent. I was gonna say like thirty percent to see the little hours, seventy percent to see the PTA short film that was really just three high music videos back to back. Uh huh. I do. I do recall. Uh, good times. <laughs> good times had by all. Good, good times just going to the music box for PTA music videos. Also, that uh, dope Radiohead one that he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what movie we saw that before, but where we he's did walking go in all the doors. Yeah, where Tom York is just like going into every door and it like goes to a totally different place. Mm-hmm. Um, I there was another one where we went to the music box. Sort of for the movie that to was being played, but, but like mostly but, for the the PTA music video on thirty five millimeter. To the point where like I don't even know what movie we were watching. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless it. Uh, I just have a list of stuff I liked. Hit us. I don't so, know if there's a full conversation, but I'm just gonna run through. It. Go go for it, and I think that'll be a good transition to the last thing I want to talk about. So yeah, you you go. Uh, the first shot of him just like at this desk in a nondescript location in like an empty warehouse, only to later reveal there's more office. Like when he goes back in and he's carrying the uh, harmonia, harmonia, harmonium, harmonium. Um, I like once that- on a this a sidebar <laughs> couldn't remember the name of them because sometimes they're called harpsichords. Uh, oh. I thought it was, I was like, is this a harpsichord? And they called it a harmonium, so then I was like, I guess not. Uh, but I, maybe they're two different instruments, I don't know. But I was, I was, I was on a date. <laughs> and oh boy. Couldn't remember the name of it, so I referred to it as a rinky-dink-dink mini piano. <laughs> <What>? Oh my <laughs> god. Two dinks? Rinky-dink-dink? <laughs> I, I oh, assume this no. isn't that wasn't with your current boyfriend because I can't imagine that no. that lasted too long. <laughs> sure didn't. One of those ringing ding little pianos. <laughs> like oh shoot, I actually yeah. gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> A rinky dink dink mini piano. <laughs> It would be very funny if that was the definition for a harmonium in a dictionary. Like, harmonium. A rinky-dink-dink little piano. Otherwise known as a harpsichord. But they lead with rinky-dink-dink mini piano. That's why I think that it, a harmonium must be different because that sounds more... It sounded more like an organ versus like a harpsichord literally sounds like a rinky-dink-dink Anyway, oh, you were saying. <clears throat> yeah, uh, but that office reveal I found very fun uh, of just, like, it. I don't even know what the intention is, but of showing, like, like, oh, there's more to this, like, little office, and he was just in the corner. And then speaking of that corner, I don't know, it had to have been rehearsed, but Louise Guzman falling out of his chair because the chair breaks and then he's just like the chair broke and the scene keeps going is so funny because it just happens so suddenly and then he's like oh he's just on the ground 
Um, but it feels intentional, just like all these other like little weird things in the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, when he punches the wall, apparently the cuts on his knuckles spell out love. Which I think is interesting. I didn't mm-hmm. notice it in the movie, but I saw that later. Um, yeah, can confirm. Yeah, but also <laughs> I'm literally that, looking at a picture of that right now. <laughs> yeah, but that moment too of like another moment of like the, you just there's no escape. You just feel like this is so tense that him trying to redeem these miles and not being able to, and all the work that he put into this plan and how proud he was of it, and to have him be like, it's just gonna take time to process. We can't do it immediately. And him trying to be like, can I speak to a supervisor? Like, I, the, the thing said, and just punching the wall because he realizes, like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And he bought all this fucking pudding for nothing because he can't get to Hawaii. Um, I thought was, like, a, a great moment. Um, and then that leads to, is preceded by him tap dancing in the grocery store, which is, like, that clip of him, like, trying to do this thing like trying to win and just doing whatever he could to do it and letting out that energy that frenetic energy that we see him like moving the entire movie and just having it come out as tap dancing at the grocery store is like heartbreaking funny uh kind of disturbing like it's kind of upsetting to watch him just kind of go into this mode of doing something that's like what are you doing like what is happening um was another moment that i was also like if this ended up in like any compilation of like the magic of cinema like this shot is so unique of just this grocery store with louise guzman shoveling (laughs) pudding into a cart and adam sandler just tap dancing after talking to himself uh incredible moment i thought it reminded me of uh Joaquin Phoenix dancing in Joker, but this movie is good and that movie is bad. Exactly. And then uh, an equally kind of like shocking moment and another uh, reminiscent of Joaquin Phoenix uh, is the bathroom of after uh, oh. she tells him the hammer story and he's like, hey, see, can you excuse me? I have to go to the bathroom. And then just destroys the bathroom only for the staff to be like, or can you come with me? And then being like, the bathroom was just destroyed. And him being like, yeah, I don't know who did that. And then being like, uh, you're going to have to leave. And him being like, no, I just Your hand's I bleeding. Just stay? And it's like another heartbreaking, but also like heartbreaking and funny. And did we lose Matt? Like PTA. I think we did. But <laughs> look at the only way. He's frozen. I know. I'm going to try and take a screenshot real quick. And it just ending with the guy being like, you got to leave. I'm going to break your fucking head open. And him just being like, okay. <laughs> Like, He's probably so off. stressed Holy out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I'll send that to you guys later. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> anyway, did you have any other notes? <laughs> oh, you wanted to wait for Matt for the big reveal? Well, I wanted to like jump, like piggyback off of what he was doing, and I think it would have been really fun, but now I'm concerned that he oh, died. He's gone. Oh, he's, he's gone. Just- I'll come back. I'm going to keep recording. Sorry, you might have to do a little heavier editing this time around. Mm. Hope that's all right with you. Mm. I wish I, I don't, I don't know how to do it. And this computer is, as long as Matt didn't stop recording, we're fine. I'll just leave all this in. (laughs) (laughs) Just put it live. (laughs) 
<laughs> I could I could try and think of other horrible things that I've done. Oh, that could be fun. Just like <laughs> we're uh, doing like crowd work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in, just a crowd work of my crowd work my, while we fix fix these technical difficulties <laughs> of my worst social anxiety moments. Uh, yeah, no, I pretty much just I constantly just put my foot in my mouth, but I'm. There was a stretch of time where I did a bunch of really bad ones, but now I, I can't. I can't think of. I mean, there's obviously when I went to shake that woman's hand, and the, my index finger didn't make it in, and I said, "I'm so sorry. I don't know what just happened," and then I walked away. <laughs> one of one of my all-time favorite tea stories. <laughs> oh, let me see. Let me let me look something up. Uh. It's truly unbearable sometimes. <laughs> just just be thankful, all you people who, like, know what to do in a given situation. <laughs> all right. I'm finding it in my journal here. Your I'm journal? Searching, I'm searching awkward. <laughs> Let's see what we got. It's like not even showing up. What the fuck? Oh. Oh, I I wrote down the exact words I said to that person. I said, "I'll shake your hand." Oh, yeah, let me put it over here. You Oh, you can do your own gloves. <laughs> I was going to take his gloves. And then I said, "I'm back." Well, no, you're back. I'm still here. <laughs> and then and then the ma- mailman came with the package and then he held his hand out to take a package for me and I shook his hand instead. <laughs> was this all on the same day? Yep. And then later I was holding a bunch of things and I said <laughs> I shook this person's hand. So I, I shook their hand and then I'd say, I'd shake your hand but I'm holding too many things after I just <laughs> shook their hand. <laughs> I have an idea for something that's a superhero that diffuses awkward situations. Uh, oh my god! And then let me find. There was one other one I couldn't find it, but here you go. Matt, while while you were having technical difficulties, Tierney decided she was going to do some crowd work with awkward stories of her social oh interactions. <laughs> oh, I'm very sad I missed that. Uh, Don't worry, it's, it's been recorded for posterity. My digital notebook here. Uh, you know, if if you know me personally and you can think of another instance, uh, please write in. <laughs> One Every F Film Festival. Every now and again, I need to be humbled. <laughs> <laughs> 1F Film Festival at gmail.com. Send, send us your awkward tyranny stories. <laughs> Don't wear it out. Send us those stories. Uh, anyway, uh, Matt, you were saying. Oh. I only have two things left, so keep going. This is just, uh, I said it as a joke, but it ended up being a really awkward situation. As I was leaving, I had to stop by the funeral home that my family goes to, and as I was leaving, I said, we'll see you again soon. And the woman was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really funny. 
you've told me that one before, and it makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> and also, if I didn't know you, I would be mortified. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie daisies. Oh, God. Uh, Matt, what else you got? Real, real quick ones. Uh, the reference to Charlie Kaufman-esque qualities to this movie. Uh, trying to find her apartment after he's oh. about to leave. And he says, bye-bye, fuck it. And bye-bye, and bye-bye, and bye-bye, which is, like, very relatable. Such yeah, a that was, moment. like, too much for me. And Ooh, the thing is, then, right after he said it, I went, and bye-bye. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, bye-bye. oh, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and bye-bye. Uh, but that of her saying, like, I wanted to kiss you just then, and then him having to try to figure out mm. how to get back to her apartment, and it just being, like, this unintelligible maze of hallways and everything looking exactly the same, uh, just felt like... I feel like PTA doesn't do a lot of that stuff, of just, like, hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it also, like, speaks to that world of, like, seven sisters who all have like almost identical personalities of like the four brothers who come after him who are just like thugs uh oh which also the moment that he finally like gets hit by their car and then gets out seeing that she's hurt and takes the crowbar and just fucking wails on all four brothers Mm -hmm. so satisfying what a Mm -hmm. moment the first like time that you're truly like yeah get what's yours <laughs> like get it <laughs> um and oh and then the last thing that i have uh which i feel like is a is a nice note to end on at least for me uh is the hotel shot of like the cover of the movie the image that <clears throat> is synonymous with punch Trunk love which i feel like is almost neutralized by it being everywhere related to this movie mm-hmm. but like when it happens in the movie of like he finally figures out where she's staying in Hawaii and he's at the entrance and she does moves quickly towards him and kisses him right away as like all these people are passing and it's just the frame of like bright ocean Hawaii and the darkness of the hotel and their silhouettes just holding each other like an incredible shot like the best shot of the movie and that's why it's on everything but like it almost ruins it because you don't get like the build up to it which matters um the so two things one i agree like that shot is phenomenal um it also is just like going back to what we were talking about earlier that is like a quintessential rom-com thing right like where they just like after all this crazy shit like usually that type of thing would happen at the end of a rom-com whereas this comes like about halfway through maybe a little over halfway but like that idea where they're like they're trying to find each other. They finally do find each other. They like meet and have this like really beautiful romantic gesture while like life keeps happening around them. Like it's, it's like you see it in every single rom-com, but you can tell that like a true master of this storytelling form is the one who did this version of it. Cause it's just like yeah. so much better than any other rom-com, <laughs> like mm-hmm. any other, like of that you've ever seen before. Also to your point, um, I have this on Criterion Blu-ray, and they don't use that as the cover, and so I had actually kind of forgotten about that scene, um, or that shot, so, like, it actually did work really, really well for me, just because it's, it had been so long since I had seen that particular imagery. Um, so, as always, God bless you, Criterion. Um, 
along those lines, the last thing I wanted to talk about was <clears throat> for anybody who still buys physical media and buys Criterion releases, you know that um, part of the Criterion releases, it always has an essay along with it. Like as part of the supplemental materials, there's like a booklet and there's some sort of essay in it. Um, and it's usually like a critic will talk about things that they like about this movie or like another filmmaker will talk about it. Um, this one I wanted to talk about specifically because <laughs> it's, so it's Miranda July, uh, who wrote this one. And here's the first paragraph. Sometimes an essay is prefaced by a list of topics that will be covered. Here's a list of things in Punch Drunk Love that won't be covered, but that I love nonetheless. <laughs> and it literally <laughs> is just a list of things that she loves about this movie. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is so us. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. like, especially talking about a PTA movie where we're just like, yeah, and this thing's great, and this other thing is great, and he's great. <laughs> and so I was like, I thought that was really fun. And then there's another piece in here. Um, that I was like, oh, Tierney, <laughs> are you familiar with this? Oh, no. you're just like smiling and nodding. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read another paragraph to you. In 2002, five years after I stopped stripping, Punch Drunk Love came out, and two years after that, I was a fellow at a Sundance lab workshopping my first feature. The illustrious alumni were invoked all the time, uh, Tarantino and Soderbergh mentioned here. Uh, but I only pricked up my ears when P.T. Anderson was mentioned, and when it was, and when he was mentioned, it was to say that he swore a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he was always cursing, they said. Hearing this made me blush and look at my lap. I tried to imagine him cursing around our house, saying, I fucking do at our wedding, bitching and assing in front of our babies. Now, many years and many kids not had with each other later, they occasionally mentioned me at the Sundance Labs when they, didn't dis- or when they discussed the alums. She didn't swear at all, is what they say. No cursing from her at all. <laughs> and as i read that paragraph i was like oh so tyranny is miranda july <laughs> just, <laughs> just envisioning an entire life spent married to and having children with pta <laughs> um so i thought that was that was very fun <clears throat> um any other thoughts on the the movie or pta I mean, I mean, lots on him, but, you know, we can discuss another time. <laughs> uh, I just think, it, yeah, it's one of the underrated, and maybe not underrated, because I feel like the name, I hear Punch Drunk Love a lot. I just feel like people talk about it, but not, like, the details of the movie or, like, what it means. And I think there is, like, some, there's, like, articles written about, like, the themes of masculinity in the movie or just of violent men, mm-hmm. of, like, the a- angry men um and i think it like it it equally wrestles with like it's deeply uncomfortable to see him when he gets violent um Mm -hmm. but also knowing that like he's not that way with uh lena like that's not part of his character with women uh and even with his sisters like he never like actually does anything to them he just like kicks a window or throws a hammer uh, or punches a wall and it's like he's much more self-destructive than he is like abusive to anyone else with his anger and even in all the moments that we've mentioned of like the building tension it ends up just being that like he is able to somehow contain it all and then let it out on himself later um like these kind of small self-destructive moves that he just can't hold it all in anymore 
but like never yells back at his sister until he's on the phone in Hawaii <laughs> where like he couldn't be farther from them. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's an interesting movie about that too. Of just like, he's such a, a character that we know so well, like this guy lives and exists in our world. Um, and it really gives a lot of like, uh, sympathy to, uh, his journey to just becoming more confident and loving himself more. It's a beautiful little movie. Um, tattoo ideas. Uh, I was the two that jumped out to me were the uh, the rinky dink dink mini piano. <laughs> Call it what uh-huh. it is. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> or um, that line that you mentioned earlier, Matt. About, I can't remember the exact line, but just like not knowing. Like, not knowing how other people are, so, like, not knowing whether or not there's something wrong. Um, I, like, that's a really beautiful line, and I think especially, like, in this day and age, when, like, everything is so fucked up, you're just like, uh, like, yeah. how is everybody else dealing with this thing? Because I'm not dealing with it great, I don't think, yeah. you know, like, so. <clears throat> but, any other thoughts from you guys? Nah, I would have said the same. I think a color plate, one of the color plates would be very cool. So just I was actually thinking, just, yeah. just a marble <laughs> color plate. But I was thinking, um, Matt. I, I know you eyelids. and I have talked about these before on my eyelid. Oh, that'd be interesting. Just like every time I blink, it just yeah. like, eyeshadow. <laughs> um, I can't remember oh, what they're to. those like. Uh, they're like movie barcodes or whatever. Um, I know you and I have talked about them, Tierney. I don't know if we've ever talked about them, but it's basically like there's a couple different versions, but they take. Um, like frame by frame from any movie and they pick like the color like, like the most prominent color of that frame and then they just like jam them all together and so you can get like the, the color palette of that entire movie in just oh. like one shot they look really cool um, but I was thinking like I ha- I didn't look it up but I do wonder what like that like the movie barcode of this movie would be especially because it has so many of those basically the same thing already built into the movie um, I thought that was kind of fun. But yeah, I don't know if that would necessarily be like a good tattoo idea, but it does seem like it would be a fun like piece of art to hang on a wall in my apartment. <laughs> hang on a wall my... of your skin. <laughs> my wall of skin. <laughs> um, my suggestion is the plunger with the dice on top. You can get that tattooed on your leg. On your butt crack? Just all the way down, like not just my calf, like my whole leg. Oh my gosh. Just... Yeah. So that so that when you bend your knee, it looks like it's shattering. This is so there's stupid. Just, there's just rice flying everywhere. <laughs> oh man. Um, um, I assume I'm... we would all spend time on this film set. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, for all the like, this is a great movie and all that other stuff, but also Tierney would just need that alone time with PTA. Also, you get to go to Hawaii. Yeah. True. With PTA. With you PTA. Get to go on a honeymoon. Uh, um, so this wasn't movie nominated for anything, presumably. Was not nominated for anything. Uh, but did win. Uh, he won Best Director at Cannes Can for it. Yep. So he probably so. <laughs> Uh, Roman Polanski won Best Director for The Pianist, so... For the wow! What? For the what? For, for The Penis. 
He went best the direction for the penis? Yep. The penis. Wow. It must the be penis. hard to direct a penis. <laughs> so hard. Uh, PTA probably knows because of that big old dirt diggler dick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He directed that shit real good. Oh, it's a big dick. Big bright shining. Sometimes he self directs too. <laughs> uh, what categories should it have been nominated for, though? Um, I writing. I would say probably costume, costume cinematography. Mm-hmm. Music, because it's yeah. such a huge part of the movie, and it does something so different from most. Good talk, good talk. Yeah, everything. It should be nominated just, for everything. Just give it all the awards. I, I, we talked a little bit about this uh, when we did our There Will Be Blood episode, but, like, I know that the Oscars don't actually mean anything, but, like, give PTA some fucking Oscars. <laughs> just My insane. God. It's just insane. It's <laughs> insane. I feel like yeah. everyone recognizes that he's, like, the best, like, person working, right? Like, the best auteur in Hollywood right now. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, continuously just doesn't get, like, actual recognition for it. And it's like, what the fuck are we doing? I really don't get it. Because I, <clears throat> I... Nobody makes a movie like PTA. Yeah. Nobody. Even Wes Anderson. Like, I love Wes Anderson. And his record is, like, not even close to as... Uh, stellar Mm -hmm. as PTAs where like each movie feels like Phantom Thread and Punch Drunk Glove feel like totally different movies and yet somehow we were able to find like the director motifs in both without it feeling like they were the same movie remade twice which I feel like a lot of auteurs do yeah like how many fucking mob movies do we need for Martin Scorsese I love Martin Scorsese but like Scorsese but it's just like PTA has done different movies uh, every time, and they're like not nearly unrecognizable from each other, except for like these three that are in the San Fernando Valley. It's it's Soon insane. To be four. Is Hard Eight in <clears throat> California? No, his new one is. Oh, I forgot about his new one. And That's I why guess... I said soon to be four. <laughs> I heard. I heard Hard Eight. No, what? Okay. <laughs> anyway. I just heard noise. I'm sorry. Uh, but also, what I guess, Inherent oh. Vice is in California, too. Yeah. And It's in both the Valley and Los Angeles. Also, just real quick, Bradley Cooper going to be in the next PTA movie? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck I yeah. hope he gives as good of a performance <laughs> as he did in American Hustle. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact reaction I wanted, because who even cares or remembers about American Hustle? I was so mad that that movie was nominated for editing because it's so long. That movie's so boring. <laughs> anyway, I'm, what have you guys been up to this week? Or Colin, did you want to say something about American Hustle? No, Oscar? I mean, no, no, no. I was like, I don't hate that movie as much as most people do, but that movie is, like, I the, the love for that movie I don't understand. I will say that. Is there any? I think there, I mean, like... There was. There definitely was at the time. I don't know if it's, like, held up by any means, but, like, I do know a lot of people did really like that movie. It did well, too. I think it made a decent amount of money at the box office. So, like, people went to it. A junior in college, the year it came out, what his favorite movie was, he would say American Hustle. 
Oof. And I don't think any time after that has that occurred for anyone. <laughs> that right. movie is a 90 out of 100 on Metacritic. That's fucking insane. I have no idea what that movie was even about. I can't, like, trying to think of what it's about, I just know it's like a con, but I don't remember any details. I remember I just almost know that no scene from that movie. Every single shot was a close up, and I just wanted to look at something else. <laughs> that movie made $250 million. Let's talk about what we did this week. I don't want to talk about American Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is awkward because I actually uh, watched American Hustle oh. the other day. No, <laughs> just let's go into it. I'm just we'll kidding. Time. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kyle, uh, you start. I haven't done too much this week. Um, I've been. Wa- I watched a few more episodes of Avatar. I'm still not like in love with it, but I'm willing to keep going. Um, and I, I think I, at this point I only have two episodes left of I May Destroy You until I'm caught up. So I'll definitely be caught up in time for the finale, um, whenever that happens next week. Um, I watched, I watched up till episode four, I think. So I'm also, I just need to like watch the rest, but it you, is so good. It you really did watch episode four. I don't want to like spoil it or talk too much about uh, it. I thought I did. Episode I four know. is fucking brutal. Like Top to bottom, episode four is a tough hang. It's very, very good, but it's just like, ugh. yeah. It's, I mean, it's I, yeah, a, I definitely a, did. Emotional, emotional. Yeah. yeah, but that show is very good. Um, I also started watching Ted Lasso, which is an Apple TV Plus original, which is a thing I would not pay for, but I did get for free when I bought an iPad, so I might as well take advantage of it, I guess. Um, it's re- it's really really sweet it's charming it's moving um it's <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> tierney's doing some weird shit <laughs> it's throwing me off my game <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway if you happen to have bought an apple product at some point in the last year and got a free year of apple tv plus i would recommend <laughs> checking out this ted lasso show it's, it's just it's like a very sweet and endearing show and it just makes you feel good and dear god do we need that these days so that would be a strong recommendation from me. And it's but. about a British football team? Yeah, so it's like, it, it's, it's the biggest thing uh, in criticism about it, like the like literal critics who are talking about it, um, is that they're all like, it doesn't make sense. This shouldn't be good, but it's good. <laughs> because it literally, like, I think in 2013, um, NBC Sports did a series of promos for the British Premier League. And the whole setup of these promos was that there was an American football coach who got a job coaching, like, English football. And it was like, LOL, like, football is different in these two countries. Like, that was the premise of these, like, promos. And, uh-huh. and then they were like, yeah, we're turning it into a TV show. And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> but then the TV show is actually really good. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's the, the setup is that there's like a guy who was uh, a football coach at a college um, in the United States and he gets a job coaching Amer- or, uh, English football. That's it. Football. Football. Uh, I've just been watching Barry. I have one episode left and I'm hoping that I can get packing and cleaning done to watch it tonight. Oh my God. When... 
NoHo Hank shows up at Lulu. Uh, don't spoil it. it. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't gonna say anything about the final, the okay. finale. But no, in the season, in the season two premiere, when NoHo Hank shows up at Lululemon. Mm-hmm. And he's got that just ridiculous <laughs> wig on. Mm-hmm. And Barry walks up to him and he's like, Barry, it's me. It's Hank. Get out <laughs> of the dodge. Like, he's like, yeah, I know it's you. <laughs> Died laughing for like a solid five minutes. It's so fucking funny. Uh, Noho Hank is the best. <laughs> as I texted you guys, uh, I think that the best character in the show you guys thought was Noho Hank, but I think it is uh, Lily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A true all star. <laughs> <laughs> Lily comes off the bench and just fucking throws up like a thousand points. She just yeah. crushes it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Matt, what have you been up to? Uh, I watched the Keanu Reeves 1992 flick, uh, A Walk in the Clouds, uh, that stars Deborah Messing and almost no one else that is uh, recognizable. But it was like a very saccharine, sweet, romantic movie from that era that was a remake of an Italian movie. Um, And the premise is that Keanu Reeves has to pretend to be this pregnant woman's husband. Uh, as they visit her wealthy Napa Valley Mexican uh, vineyard-owning family, who's like, uh, all the family are a cast of characters, and they've all got opinions on this marriage that's fake, but they don't know it. Uh, and it, I thought it was so sweet. Uh, I Keanu Reeves gets a lot of guff for not being a great actor. I think he's gotten better but this was fairly early in his career and uh, there's some line deliveries that are truly shocking. <laughs> that you're like, what What are you trying to get across here, bud? Um, but I do think he's gotten better. But I thought it was a very sweet movie uh, and they just stomp some wine, stomp some grapes, and it's cute. Um, do any of them uh, fall over when they're stomping grapes? They're in the bucket no. and they fall over. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, stop. Um, what else did I... I watched... Oh, I started watching more Legend of Korra. It's good. Um, uh, wow, I ringing watched, endorsement there. I mean, I'm only four episodes in, and... You just did it Avatar. last week. I know, but I, I haven't watched... Oh, it just dropped on Netflix, though. So I will be marathoning it. Uh, just because it's so much easier to just go episode to episode. Uh, what else did I watch? Um, <laughs> I don't know what I watched. Oh, I watched uh, Do the Right Thing for the second time this summer oh. uh, at a drive-in yesterday. Um, and it was, I yeah, genuinely a great movie. Like, the yep. first time around, I was like, yeah. damn. And the second time, I was like, shit that I didn't notice the first time really brought it home this time. Like, I get it. This is a fucking great movie. Um, so I'm, I was happy to see it a second time. Uh, and that was just great. And then uh, tonight, oh. we're all going to be watching Lovecraft Country. Yes. Uh, which premieres tonight, the night that we're recording. It'll be out for a couple weeks by the time this gets put up. But couldn't be more excited to dive into that adventure tonight. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I've been like just craving some... Uh, eldritch abomination gore horror and i'm ready i'm yeah. ready i was ready, ready. 
yeah, I think Matt and I were talking about it in a group thread with another friend of ours the other day, and I was just like, fuck me up, HBO. Like, I'm so ready for this. Sock it to me. <laughs> Um, um, all right, cool. Well, good job, team. We did it. Uh, next week, looks like we'll be doing uh, 20th Century Women. Woo! Bless. That's, that's my pick. And I already watched it a couple weeks ago, so I have my notes ready to go. Ooh. That's it. Uh, I, I just watched it. Beginners a couple weeks ago, so I'm excited to complete that. Duology? I guess. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I guess uh, all that's left to say is... I'm finished.